So welcome everyone to our weekly meditation service. Tonight I'm going to talk about the way of the Bodhisattva. So before I begin, I'm going to start with some, some reading. So my first reading here is from the band Steely Dan. Now again, if for some misbegotten reason you don't know who Steely Dan is or who that band is, Please, please do yourself a favor and go out and uh, experience it. Wonderful stuff. But uh, there's a song by Steely Dan called Bodhisattva. And I'm just going to read a couple lines from it. Bodhisattva, won't you take me by the hand? Bodhisattva, won't you take me by the hand? And it goes on and on and on. And it's, 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 it's talking about the Bodhisattva. And another one is from Bob Dylan. And this is, this, this is a line from a song of his from some years ago. It's called, You Gotta Serve Somebody. And so the line is, You gotta serve somebody. It might be the devil. It might be the Lord. But you gotta serve somebody. Bob Dylan. So what is a bodhisattva? So a bodhisattva, if you take it and break it down, the, the, the word itself, bodhi kind of means enlightened. It means enlightened. You know, bodhi, the bodhi tree, you know, it's, it's a word that we directly connect to the word Buddha. And sattva is a being. Sattva is a, is a Sanskrit that's being. So it's an enlightened being. But the bodhisattva term impresses upon us the idea that this is one who has realized that his or her awakening is interdependent with all other beings. And so the realization of this is that once we practice our own path to awakening, we freed ourselves from our suffering and we're on the path, then our path really becomes about seeing the suffering of others and doing what we can to help share the Dharma and help them to free themselves from their suffering. So really that becomes our whole path. And in, in some Buddhist traditions, they even look at this life as, uh, you know, the life of a Buddha was the result of many lifetimes as a Bodhisattva, you know, and, and now they're a Buddha. And, and other groups look at the Bodhisattva as, as the way I do, which is the expression of being a Buddha. And that this goes on well beyond this life. You know, the vow we take or the prayer we, we make is that, you know, you know, may I may I be reborn in the true land or the pure land or the true country, which is just another way of talking about nirvana. But it's the idea that after this life, may I come back as a bodhisattva to help free the myriad beings. And we say that at the end of our liturgy. You know, we make that... Eko, the uh, Japanese term for that bodhisattva offering. So, so the, the idea here is that oneness is in us. As a, a bodhisattva, oneness is in us. It's our sacred, spiritual, and sensual power. Sensual being that it, it comes through the ego self. Deeply infusing our fresh, our flesh, it's a psychological root of our embodied yearning to be with each other, to reach out to each other. And this spiritual power works to change 
you know, it changes despair and fear and apathy to hope and courage and engagement. And as a Dharma teacher, you know, an educator, I work to enable students to do oneness theology and to make connections between our daily lives, our relationships, our work and our faith and our way of being in the world and those of others, past and present, those like us and those unlike us. Because the only practice worth doing is that which inspires and transforms lives. That which empowers us to participate in creating, liberating, and blessing the world. And our holy mission is the capacity to discern the presence of oneness here and now. And to reflect on what this means in our individual lives and also as a part of a communal effort, a corporate effort. And, you know, uh, these bodhisattvas are, we're not just talking about ourselves, obviously, but we're also talking about bodhisattvas. And in some traditions in Buddhism, the bodhisattvas are sort of like angelic beings, you know, they are transdimensional beings. Now, they all started out at some point as human beings, but they, they now have become these angelic bodhisattvas. And, and another word we use for it sometimes is personal Buddhas, so that, someone, that when someone we love died, we, um, we see them now, now as they were just in this life, but we see them as they are in eternity, which is they are Buddha now. So they become our personal Buddha, and, you know, and that can be made up of all kinds of, of, of creatures and critters. But it becomes a part of our communion and oneness. And so for me, I turn to my personal Buddhas regularly for wisdom and just the joy of, of experiencing them in my heart and mind. Even if they're not here, that I can't see them. And this effort that we make both individually and together is to enable the flourishing of love and wisdom in a world where the potential for our relationality is often seemingly broken, often collectively and violently. And this struggle is with the principalities and powers that alienate us from ourselves and each other. So, in the end, I'm going to offer you a new word, and it, 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 uh, the way to think about being a bodhisattva, and that is the word booting, booting. So, I'm going to turn the word Buddha into kind of more of a verb, booting. Now, what's interesting, when you look at the word Buddha, and you look at the roots of it, it's rooted in this old ancient Indo-European language of which Sanskrit is, is one of the ones still remaining. And in that, it's the same word in Buddha as we use for bud, when we say a flower buds, right? And I would go so far as to say a buddy, you know? A buddy is this idea of someone who has is is this blooming of this flower 
of awakening. So there's a word called, uh, there's a phrase called spiritual friend in Buddhism, that a teacher or another member of the Sangha is a spiritual friend, and it's related to the word Maitri. Um, but I think of it, I think you can say it's a buddy, a spiritual buddy, <laughs> because it involves both this idea of Buddha, but it also this idea of the flowering of our true nature. And so I think that's kind of cool. So going a little further with that analogy of a flower. So a flower bud is an immature flower. So you might say that a flower bud is sort of like our true nature that's there. It might be buried in layers of conditioning, but it's there. And even though it's, it's layered in the, in, and covered in these protective scales which shelter it in some ways while it develops, you know, think about that. Maybe our conditioning not, you know, it doesn't just, it doesn't just cause us suffering. It's also how we survive until we, we experience awakening. And the love and support of our Sangha, that's sort of the folks that make sure we get enough sunshine, we get enough water. And as the flower matures, the bud opens and it allows the flower to emerge. And, and that bud opening and that flower emerging, that's our daily practice, that's our devotions, and that's our actions. And this can take hours or days for a flower, depending on the climate and the plant. And, and this is the same that's true for our personal journey. You know, our personal journey is like the journey of a, of a flower or plant budding and coming into full bloom. And, and this view, this budding or booting or budding verb that you might use to the, the, the process of becoming, um, you know, it's an, it's an alternative. You know, this way of looking at things is an alternative to like a, a more authoritarian, social or legalistic understanding of misguided power. It's a mutually interdependent relationship which entails a willingness, a willingness to participate in healing the sense of separateness and empowering us to realize oneness. So, I'm your spiritual buddy. Be a spiritual buddy to somebody else. And that's what the song is. We're just a bunch of spiritual buddies. And let your, let your flower bloom, man. Let it bloom.